And we're live. Welcome, everybody, to the Final Judgment. I'm your host, Tony Jason Cotillo. Uh, this is brought to you by Wind Daily Sports, by Heat Ratio Sports, and sponsored by the Sharp app. Tonight, I have a wonderful guest uh, back again. Talked to Renee a few years ago. She was covering the Wizards. Uh, still has the Wizards mentality. And it was so funny because we were talking about certain players that are no longer there. One player may be on a move. We're going to get a lot of stuff tonight. But Renee Washington, uh, listen, thank you so much for joining me. I'm going to put on the bottom of the screen all your accolades. ESPN, Fox Sports reporter, CEO, author, speaker. Renee, what do you not do? <laughs> um, I don't even know at this point. Um, <laughs> I'm like trying to think. Yeah, it's it's incredible. And honestly, even as you were talking about the fact that I was on your show a few years ago, I still remember that um, in the midst of the pandemic when we recorded. And um, a lot has changed since then for both of us and in a yes. great way. So even that has me it like gives me goosebumps to think about the last time we were speaking on a show because we've connected, of course, since then. The last time yep. we were on a show together, what has changed from then to now is awesome. But what don't you do is the question. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's like it's like we all listen. We want know one thing. We all wear many hats to get the yeah. way we want to be, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why like people say to me, I don't have time. How do you not have time? If I have time, you have to have time, right? I mean, There's it's the world we live in. Now. That you can prioritize or change up. Uh, to maximize the twenty-four hours in each day. Granted, there's definitely a lot of things that I'd like to do better. Like, I have a list of things oh, yeah. that I'm trying to do better. But there's a lot of things that I do get done in the course of a twenty-four hour period. So, hey, <laughs> I always say I wish there was more time in the day. But you know what? Maybe it's good enough to where there's nights I have to just finally call quits and say I, I need to go to bed because if, you know <laughs> mental stability is a big thing, right? So if you're not getting your rest, it, it, it's a problem. Obviously. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. But we talked about in itself. Oh yeah, oh absolutely, absolutely. And I want to follow, follow Renee, obviously at Renee P W A S H, and then her link tree is right there. She has a ton of links on there. Make sure you get on there, find all her great, fantastic content. She does it all, even union stuff, which is pretty cool for all you Philadelphia fans, as always. But you mentioned that we connected, we connected on Locked On Wizards podcast, and and we 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 kind of. You know, I was on yours. You were on mine. I talked. We yeah. talked about Sixers on one, Wizards on the other. And the funny yeah. thing is, now when we talk about that, we look back. The first thing I want to talk about. I don't want to get Philly. Is I gotta talk about our man Russ. Like, you know, the the Russell Westbrook fall from grace. I call it because when me and you were talking, he was a triple double machine. And now, I mean, talk about him coming off the bench in LA. What is going on? Is it like is he just not connecting? What do you see from this? And because obviously you covered him for a while. It's sad. Honestly, look, I'm a huge sports fan. I'm actually a LeBron fan. Um, anybody that knows me knows that. I know. Through and through. That's okay. To high school, I've always been a LeBron fan. I'm not a bandwagon fan. But I think the craziest thing is we have to at some point separate sports and life. You know, and to hear that for Russell Westbrook, his wife is getting death threats and that they're getting <sighs> us, you know, harassed. To me, that's where it, it's sickening. And honestly... The perspective I have is Russell Westbrook is maddening. Don't get me wrong. There are a lot of games I watch. I don't. I don't. I don't actually watch Lakers anymore. I've moved back over to being a full Sixers fan. Um, but there are a lot of games I watch, and it's frustrating to see him out there. But then you have to remember this is a player that over the course of the last four years, including this season, how many teams has he been on? 
that's hard when you're making that constant movement. Now, a lot of people say he's to blame for that. And I'm not going to say he's completely 100% innocent, but a year ago setting a triple double record and to now be a player that is literally getting harassed to the point that he's saying, I want out. It's sad, but it says a lot to the sports industry as fans and how fair weather we are that one minute we're all about you and the next minute we're, we're ready to run you out of town with pitchforks. So I just think, honestly, he's human. He is getting older. Let's not forget that. And he's getting older and been moving around a lot of teams and a player that is a strong personality. He's not going to go into a team and just lay low. He wants to be a starter. He still wants those things as a top player on a team. So this is just a bad, very bad mix. The worst part about it is the fact that it could have been DeMar DeRozan, who right now is having a top, honestly, in the conversation of being an MVP in the NBA, that could have been in LA and they got Russell Westbrook instead. So I know um, there were the discussions of if they don't make it to the playoffs, or if they don't win a, a series in the playoffs, it's a bust. No, it's already a bust. Let's just get that out there. It's yeah, definitely a crash and burn dumpster fire. But I just think it's unfortunate. It's just a bad situation. And the last thing I'll say about it, and this is the realization I've come to, perspective is everything. So for the LeBron, for, for the Lakers, excuse me, as a whole, this is like your retirement spot. Like I know on the East Coast, a lot of people say you go and retire in like Florida, Myrtle Beach. This is the retirement team of the league. And in my opinion, the Carmelos, and I'm gonna be, I was saying even for Russ before they ran him out of town, this is where they're just going to ride off into the sunset. LeBron can hang hang for a couple seasons. And then when his son gets into the league, when you don't have playoff seasons and you don't have as long of a season, you're a little bit more rested. And I think bigger picture, we're going to look back on this and it might for like a LeBron James, probably help him have a few extra years since he's not going to be winning a championship this season, True. which was the original goal that this was the team that was going to be ready to compete for a title. No, they're not. So he's now going to be able to rest. They're going to be fishing a lot earlier, having an offseason a lot sooner. And now when his son comes in the league, whatever team drafts him, there will be LeBron. But for Russ, the writing's on the wall. It's sad to see, but we see this a lot, that fall from grace for top players as they age, as they're getting older and their their game is changing. Nah, you're you're 100% correct. And, and you're right, the Fairweather fan. I, I, there's nothing that bothers me more than that. It really doesn't. I mean, this this is the MVP. I mean, no matter what we think of the guy, this is a guy who was a triple-double machine. I and mean, we were talking like he was breaking records, and now all of a sudden you just completely forget about that. I Listen, I was never a huge Russ guy. I thought he had a major ego. That's just my opinion. But as a right. basketball player, you couldn't not – say and respect his game I, I, yeah. you know we talked about you know, listen john wall being a one-man fast break i'll tell you what we talked that russ could have stole that nickname because he might have been faster than john wall coast to coast i mean that's how good he was yeah that's how good he was. on one end run the floor past everybody get to yeah i mean it is a shame because he is very talented and i think the yes. hardest part with russ that has always been my issue with him is what helps him is also what hurts him and that ego, that confidence, that swag is what helps him get triple doubles, that he's going to be able to do it all. He's going to be the hardest working guy on the floor, but then also hurts you because he's doing too much. So he yep. just, this was not a good fit for him because between Anthony Davis, in my opinion, who's the real person we should be talking about, constantly getting injured, underperforming, who was supposed to be the youth, the young talent of this Lakers team, a lot more of that pressure has been on Russell in that sense. And his role has, has not... They never found it out. They never figured it out. And they don't have you don't have time to waste at this point. We are in a short and quick turnaround. We talk about short attention span before the show. We're in a short attention span life in terms of society where if it's not happening in the first couple months, 
time to move. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're oh. right. You're right. And it's a shame because we were honestly, whether you're, you know, you're a hater or not to see Anthony Davis and LeBron all come together and see that work out would have been, it's just good NBA basketball. You need just as an NBA fan, you would want to see that. So it's a shame. We're probably never going to see that happen, but another wizard and possibly could be ex wizard. I want to talk about is Bradley Beal, because we talked about Bradley Beal a few years ago. We talked about the extension and max contract possibilities. And, and now it looks like they're trying to form a big three. And it's kind of a two-part question because we, we want to talk about the Sixers new tool. I want to get your opinion on James Harden from an outside perspective. But also with Bradley Beal, because now it looks like maybe, and we know how the NBA works, it, you know, it, it, it's a brotherhood, right? Those guys get together and they think about where they want to go, what's the spot, and Let's face it, Renee. Joel Embiid is probably a top three player, if not one of the in, in the NBA right now. Everybody wants to play with a, a big man that does everything. So, what do you think? Do you think this is just kind of smoke, or you think something like this could really, really happen? This is where we are in 2022. Um, Bradley Beal, James Harden, Joel Embiid is quite a, tri a trio uh, for sure. Now. As the Sixers actually are preparing to play the Nets, um, of course, as we're even having this conversation, yeah. it makes me think a lot about, and I'm not saying, I am not saying these three are the exact same as Kyrie, KD, and James Harden, but this is not the first time, in fact, as we just got done talking about Russell Westbrook, this is not the first time that we've looked at these changes, roster moves of having a big three. The Lakers thought it was going to be AD, LeBron, and Russell. The Nets thought it was going to be KD, James Harden, and Kyrie. Of course, we can look back over the years at some big threes that worked and some that did not. I don't know if this works. I don't. Um, Bradley Beal is a player. I do think he needs to make a move. I think that he's just, and we talked about this before, um, nope. his time in DC, it's, it's wasted. He's so talented. He's a player that is an all-star caliber player that should be doing more, should be playing in the postseason year after oh, year 100%. and he's just getting injured you know this wrist injury you know pick an injury every year it's something different and it's it's wasting him in the prime of his career so I think absolutely he needs to make a move the question all comes down to and it always is how do these three personalities mesh you know if Doc is still gonna be I mean I'm assuming he's I haven't heard any rumors otherwise but Doc is head coach these three I'm not sure who all they they would have to get uh move to make this deal final but you imagine there's gonna be a lot of pieces moved some of those great players in Philly like a Tobias Harris Maxi uh Thibel, the players that are complementary pieces now get moved how is this really gonna work out long term so I think on paper it looks awesome yeah. um I think James Harden has the ability to be a supporting role and I think that Joel Embiid just wants to win. So I think these are three guys that are kind of in a similar mindset of like, let's just win. Whoever's going to be the guy is fine. Let's just go. But I still don't know. We'd have to see it on the court. But hey, why not at least give it a shot and see what happens? But very yeah. interesting. <laughs> it, it will. You know, the, the interesting part is because obviously I think the biggest for us in Philly, it's like Tobias. We can't wait to run Tobias Harris out of town. Right. So it's no secret. He's not yeah. he's not a fan favorite. And unfortunately, it's a shame because he didn't ask for that money. He was given that money indirectly because. Jimmy Buckets left, and there was only – I can't let Tobias Harris leave either, so we got to pay him, right? So, indirectly, he gets hurt by that. But the thing is, if you do get rid of Tobias, just, just say we – just for, you know, for the heck of it here, we get rid of Tobias and we bring in Bradley Beal, what is your starting lineup? Because now that's what I start thinking. Where does Bradley Beal play? 
Wait, no, who's playing a four? Who's playing? I mean, who's playing the three? Bradley Beal going to play the three? He can't play the three. Right? So, so if you keep Max, you have Maxi, you have Beal, you have Harden and Bead. I don't know if that works. Like, as much as I want Bradley Beal, I don't know if that works. I really don't. I, I just feel like sometimes um, there's this mindset, especially now with the way that NBA players are so vocal about where they want to play, of, like, just bring all the players in. And that's why all-star games aren't as exciting because it's too much talent on the floor. You know, you need to have some sort of a hierarchy. And you have players like Shake Mill and you have Maxi, you've got Bible, you've got – you know, complimentary players that now can play off of Joel Embiid and James Harden. This team has the balance. But when you have three guys that are all-star MVP level players that are all on the floor together, it takes a lot of discipline. It takes a lot of just organization of like, what are the rotations going to be? Who is going to play which position? Who? What are the matchups? And so, yes, you can say, oh, we'll just outscore everybody else. But in the length of a season, a lot changes. Look, at the Nets are such a great example. You look at the injuries that have happened, COVID, so many different factors that you did not count on when we heard the news. KD to Brooklyn, James Harden to Brooklyn. So in this moment, it's it's easy to say, oh, this is a championship team. But how many times have you said that? A lot. <laughs> but yeah. I think the Sixers yeah. already look like a championship team. I don't know if, if it's not broke, don't fix it. I don't know. It's hard to pass up on a, a Bradley Beal. I'm, I'm no idiots. I definitely would not want to. I would entertain the idea, but let's not be greedy. This is a championship team already. Don't, don't rock the boat too much. And uh, yeah. So I'll, were you surprised? Let me ask you, let me ask you if you're about the Harden move. All right. So when, when you hear, okay, Jay, because we all know, listen, as, as being part of sports media, you, you hear it, you hear the whispers and obviously usually where there's smoke, there's fire. I say that all the time. Something's oh, yeah. going on. And, and you knew the relationship with Daryl Morey. You knew the relationship that, you know, with him and Harden. Harden wanted to play with him. He was very vocal about it. Are you surprised that this is kind of worked so seamlessly in just six games. Well, I actually had a chance to watch them in person. And I will say this is finally a time that Sixers fans are, everybody, not just some, everybody is coming to watch the Sixers. I remember, and I've, I've gone to Sixers games my whole life, um, growing up all the way through. And there are a lot of games you would go to to see the opponent. You know, you you get the especially during the trust the process and tanking oh. time, where you literally would take those nice tickets that were easy to get to be able to go watch whoever's coming in town to play. Well, when I went to the game and watched the Sixers play the Knicks and to see how electric it was and everybody cheering for the Sixers there for the Sixers, that in itself is exciting because I think for someone like Joel Embiid, he's unfortunately been a part of this. We talk about Bradley Beal dealing with the woes in D.C., but and B's been in the same boat with the Sixers. It's been the Ben Simmons and Bede. Who's going to be able to lead? Who do, who do you have to move? What's it going to take from the win? And to now finally see them turn that corner of at least having the excitement. I think this is a, a, a duo that can work. I think that with James Harden's ability to get to the basket, to knock down shots, the pick and roll game with them works well. And even just the way the Sixers move the ball, they've got shooters, they've got other players that can score that you can't just focus on Harden and Embiid. You have to defend them up front, which means you've got more one-on-one ISO situations. Joel Embiid can shoot like he wants to and sometimes go into the basket. Like I think they now have the they, these two can play off each other with what they were trying to do with Ben Simmons. James Harden's much more aggressive offensively 
much more of a threat, a dual threat, where you don't know what he's going to do. You don't know if he's going to knock down a three. And I was just looking at um, videos, ironically, of him knocking down threes, double teams, falling on the floor, or if he's going to go to the basket. We didn't. The Sixers did not have that. So that opens up Joel Embiid's game, and I'm sure he's loving it. Got to be. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, listen, you heard him say countless times already in six games, I've never had this. Right, exactly. the spacing on the floor. You mentioned it about the ISOs. I mean, hey, listen, Joe's not used to this, and he's he came into this league obviously a question mark. Right, we all know that. We know the background, but the the step that he made from last year to this year, with just maturity, conditioning, everything about him is completely mm-hmm. different. Right, he's and, and again, I, you know, I, I think a lot of it's coaching. I think a lot of it is. You know, he, he's married. He had a child. You know, that that grows some people up. And and I think finally he went all in. So I, I, I want to win. I want this. He was mad when they lost in game seven against Atlanta. And everybody was mad, but he was he was considerably mad. So uh, it's nice to say you're right, because since 2001, since the AI days, I, I don't know how exciting it's been That's down there. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, they were some memorable times. They that that that, that place was electric. I mean, that 2001 run. Of insanity, Game Seven against AI, the AI against the big dog, Glenn Robinson, and Milwaukee in Game Seven. I mean that I I get goosebumps. I'm getting it right now just thinking about it. The so first uh, Union it, Center it, days I, of Sixers basketball, yeah. where it was exciting to go and watch the Sixers play, and every the crowd was packed on their feet. Yep. You know that's something that honestly, for the first time, I I saw. Where yeah. everyone's rocking Sixers gear, not their opponent, Sixers gear, yeah. and everyone's cheering. And honestly, like you said, I think the timing is perfect because the maturity that we've been seeing from Joel Embiid all season before Harden even came over was an MVP caliber season. I mean, he's right. in my discussion to win MVP. So now when you add James Harden in, I think it only it only helps. Having seen your number two guy, your, your Robin last year, passing up open layups, not looking to be aggressive, not looking to shoot, to now have a player who's one of his biggest aspects of his career is that that he will shoot, maybe sometimes too much, but he's going to shoot. So now it opens things up for you, and I agree. I think the timing is is perfect. It's a great combination. It it really is. And and you see, you you segued this perfect for me as a host here, (laughs) right? You mentioned MVP, which I absolutely love. And and, and we got this, you know, you're going to have to be the voice of reason for me because – I, you know, I do a show every single night, NBA pre-lock show for DFS and sports betting on on Win Daily Sports, and and the Win Daily guys are big Jokic guys, and obviously I'm a big Embiid guy, and and, he, and you look at the odds right here, obviously plus one seventy for Jokic to win MVP right now, and minus one thirty for Embiid, and that number just keeps. It keeps dropping. It's it, you're you're gonna win less and less money as this year goes on with Joel Embiid, so. Between just just take these two. You mentioned Demar Derozan off air. We were talking about that, and uh, you know he. I think he's up to plus two thousand now. He's still having a remarkable run. But between these two guys, Jokic and Embiid, who, who who's your front runner for NBA MVP? Yeah, um, I've actually been leaning towards Embiid for sure. I think that the hard part is they they play so. They play so similar in so many aspects. Of course, their size, their their. Um, versatility but I just think that for the way that the Sixers have been playing and the way that uh Joel Embiid has been lifting this team I have him as my favorite now the other side of that that you can easily say is so is is Jokic Jamal Murray you know he's doing the same thing and I of course think that 
the Nuggets are having a, a great season as well, but I just am tired of t- now this is not MVP specific because of course it's That's an right. individual it's an individual thing. But I one I think it, somebody else it's turn to win it. And again, I'm the least participation choky type, but I'm ready for it to go to somebody else. Also, I just think the Sixers right now, if like Joel Embiid has them as a championship caliber team, I don't look at the Nuggets and say this is a championship caliber team. Now I understand it's an individual award. Whatever. This is the same reason why apparently Bradley Beal was getting snubbed and stuff because it was an individual award that he wasn't winning. Um, But I think when you are a top player in the league, you should be setting your team up to be a top team in the league. Your team should be performing at a level that they're looking to win a championship. And you're getting the guys around you playing at a level that their their level's higher. And you look at the players around Joel Embiid and the Shakes and Maxis and all these different players, they're playing great basketball too. You know, it feeds off of your top guy. So stats aside, I do think he's literally lifting the Sixers to a level that has them as a team that is a favorite for a lot of people. And it's because of him. So I think he's, I'm not a big numbers person, but I think he's absolutely an MVP. I watch him, I watch Jokic, and I'm like, that's an MVP. That's why I think DeMar DeRozan is actually, to me, higher up in that conversation. When you do the unexpected And the Sixers have always, of course, been a top team in the East, but I feel like they're turning that corner. When you lift a team that doesn't have those expectations to a level that they weren't expected to reach, to me, you need to be in that conversation. So I'm voting Joel Embiid. I like it. And, and again, not because I'm a homer, right? Not, And I tell everybody that. But exactly what you just said. You know, Joel Embiid didn't have James Harden until two weeks ago. He was carrying his team on his back all year. And, and, and uh, you know, in a top-five seed role in the East. And and the East, uh, listen, the East is flooded right now up top. Oh, They're top-heavy, right? Very, very top-heavy. And and let, let's get to that because here, you know, when we look at the NBA East, uh, you know, and we look at the Nets, this, I still can't believe the Nets are still the front-runners when I talk about odds of plus 260. I'm, I'm really shocked at that. Sixers running at plus 340, Bucks at plus 350, and the Heat – Starting to slip a little bit at the plus four seventy five, but we'll we'll see what happens with that. But Renee, the Eastern Conference, how do you see this shaping up with these four teams? Yeah, there's there's no easy clear front um, front runner that you can have in that sense, and you don't even have like the the Bulls in there. Look, even the Cavs are a team that's a top ten team. They are a this good young season. team. Uh, they, I like the Cavs. This I season do. is like no other. I mean, we, we've been talking about this more and more each year where it's like, and last year was the same way, but this year is way, way more competitive because it's the East and the West. You can't easily say this team's going to win it all. You know, there's a lot that's still at play. We still have to see how, you know, around the pandemic, different rules, especially with players like Kyrie, how that's going to shape up. I think the Nets are, are an easy front runner for people because of Kevin Durant and Kyrie. You know, even when you take uh, James Harden out of that picture, because everybody is ready to put that crown on Katie's head as being the best in the league, which I'm not convinced of yet. That is why a lot of people, you are? No, I'm saying thank you. I agree. Oh, yeah, I'm not. I'd have to be I agree with you. I earned it. I would would give Giannis that before I give it to KD. Um, That is why people are leaning towards the Nets. I think the Bucks are still, and actually the Heat, are still getting disrespected because everybody wants to look at their success the last couple of years as a fluke, a whole championship. And I get it. A lot happened for the Bucks to win last year, but they still won. 
they, they didn't have, I mean, winning a championship, there's never an asterisk on that. You're still playing the best of the best. So I think it just shows the disrespect that fans have, bandwagon fans or people that really aren't paying attention and are quick to just jump and follow the new best in the league because everyone thinks LeBron has stepped off that throne and that it's now gone to KD, which is not the case. So I like the Sixers' chances, to be honest, coming out of the East, especially since James Harden's move happened at a time where they still have a lot of basketball to play before the playoffs. I think they'll be ready to go come playoff time. And honestly, this might be their year. Uh, listen, it, it could be. It, yeah, exactly. Fingers crossed, right? It could Not be. I mean, we, fingers crossed. Let's uh, do it all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everything I could cross, I'm crossing right now because that would be fantastic. And you talked about it. it's wide open. The East is, and usually we're talking about the West as being, exactly. you know, wide open. But now the East is really picking up some steam. I'll tell you honestly, I'm if as a Sixers biased guy, obviously because I'm a fan first. I, I say it all the time because I can't take it out of my blood. But the Heat scare me. They're the Heat they're yeah. more than the Bucs. And, and no disrespect to the Bucs. They're the defending champions. But I think the Heat are so deep. And, you know, you, you have probably the sixth man of the year in Tyler Hero come off the bench who is absolutely electric. That, that, that kid, I'll tell you what, man. You want to watch a player, that, in my opinion, but I'm just saying that everybody that isn't talked about enough, it's Tyler Hero. He is that good. Uh, Duncan Robinson is a sharp shooter from three. Jimmy Butler is a dog. I love Jimmy. I'm so mad to this day that he's not here. Uh, him and Bam. So that's the one team right that scares you. But over in the West, it's a little different story because I feel like it. You know, in the West, oh, what do I do here? I got uh, we got the West, the Warriors. I got oh, here we oh, go. Oh, you got your champs. Yeah, yeah I, I did the chance there. Yeah, I did the chance instead. I, I, I was ahead of myself there. But the NBA West is kind of like a three-dog race, really a two-headed race, right? I mean, the Jazz are kind of – when we and, and, again, this is by odds. It's not about our personal opinion. Uh, but, obviously, I want I want your opinion as well. The Suns, obviously, the front runner. It's going to be hard with no CP3, even though Book is balling. Uh, the Warriors, I love them. I think they are the deepest team in the West, to be honest with you. They're getting their players back now. Uh, Wiseman's back tonight. Draymond will be back eventually, and Utah is is kind of in you know in the back of the train there, moving up a little bit. But how do you see the West kind of playing out? Yeah, I think the West. Um, look, both conferences are very strong, but I think the West. What scares me about the Suns is actually the same thing that scares me about the Heat. It's ironic you bring you bring them up as being a scary team. Is when you watch teams without their best players still compete with the best teams. Like when I watched the Bucks Suns game. I was like, wait, what? Who's not on the floor? Um, like, it just it, it has you doing a double take. I'm devastated for CP3. That's heartbreaking news. It's awful. But mm. when you look at the fact, I'm like, where's where's Booker? And the Suns literally could have won that game against a team that is a is a favorite still. I'm giving the Bucks that credit. So um, and they're still a top team in the league. So the Heat have that same scary aspect. Like, I watched them play without Jimmy Butler and Bam, and I don't even think Kyle Lowry was playing that game. And I'm like, whoa, this is still a really good team. So those teams are scary when it comes to playoff time, especially since the Suns have this, much like the Heat, this, like, underdog mentality still where they don't care who they're playing against. Cam, Payne, um, Mikel Bridges, they are just – Jay Crowder, they'll get in your face. They'll get physical yep. with you. They don't mind making it a fight and, yep. and battling. Every game they play is pretty much is, – is always exciting. You know, they're always giving 110%. And so I think the West has a lot of those, like, 
I won't say up and coming because they've all been there, but they've got a lot of those teams that just want to win. You know, like that's what frustrates me actually about the Lakers to get on a quick rant because it just, (laughs) me, they kind of came out, especially as older players, kind of like expecting. Whereas a lot of these players that had those young, I mean, a lot of these teams that had those young players like the Suns, the, uh, even the Warriors, the way that Steph has, Without when Draymond doesn't matter if Draymond's on the floor or not, but as Clay was working back, you saw him literally lifting up his team. That you're like, wait, who is that? Making exactly. it to the double players that are not the, the 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 headliners, the Tyler Heroes in Miami, you know, Gary Payton this the second. These are the names that we're talking about. That's exciting. So yep. I just love the West. I don't have a dog in this fight or a horse in this race or whatever term you want to use. Um, I just am excited for some great playoff basketball. But I think if I had to pick right now, I, I still don't have full faith in the Jazz. To me, them and the Nuggets always get to the playoffs and something goes wrong. Um I'm good with the Warriors. I I still feel I don't know. I don't know. The Suns. We're, we're 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 together there. I'm with the Warriors too. I think I'm Warriors. gonna go with the Warriors. I think it's March and a lot is going to change by playoffs. And I just feel like with that devastating news of CP3, um, that's gonna that's really gonna in the playoffs especially, I might come back to hurt the Suns. So I'm leaning Such towards the Warriors. Such a shame with CP3. If he was playing, I'm I'm on Phoenix to be honest. Yep. But, yeah, yeah. Listen, CP3 the injury hurts them, but like you said, they got a lot of dogs on that team. I love Monty Williams, fantastic coach. Obviously, oh, yeah. Philly guy was here, right? So the, he 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 is a master of adjustments, in my opinion. So really, really good coach, especially when it comes to playoffs. Uh, this everybody know this is Renee Washington, ESPN, Fox Sports reporter, CEO, author, speaker. I mean, everything. Follow right there at Renee P W A S H and her Linktree account with all her fantastic content. Now. I'm going to put you on the spot here. We did all the analysis, and now we got the NBA champ. So, just, just, you know, I know it's early. we got about 18 games of regular season left. But right now, who is Renee Washington's NBA champion? <sighs> that's it. <laughs> the deep side, that's it. <laughs> um, I, You know what? I'm going to stick by my word. When the, when the news broke about James Harden, I said the Sixers. Um, and I'm going to stick, and I'm not saying that just as a homer. I'm saying that as a fan of basketball that has been observing things. I think Chris Paul, I know they're going to be reevaluating to see if he can get back. So who knows? Like, I don't want to write them off completely, but that's hard when you've been out for weeks. It'll be like eight weeks at that point. If he is able to get back, the Warriors are still scary, but I'm leaning towards the Sixers. I'm, ah, I don't know. That's tough. I'm not picking the Nets though. That's why I'm not picking. Well, that's, that's good. We're I on the think. same page there. We're not thinking that. No, no. We're not, I, I, I'm no, not at all. But we're, I'll we're, put the Bucks before I pick the Nets or the Heat. Oh, yes, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. I like the Sixers and the Warriors, and I think it'd be a very, very Ooh. entertaining series to say the oh, least. Yeah. You're watching Steph and and Clay and Harden and Maxie, and then you got to beat John with Draymond. I I can just see it right now. It would be a fantastic. It would be a show. It would be what the NBA wants. That's it. Fun. Would and honestly, the Warriors. Our team, that's why it's hard not to pick them because you look at what Andrew Wiggins has been able to do with his all-star season, James Wiseman working back, um, having those those Otto Porters and Damian Lee and uh, uh, Gary Payton, like those types of players. Those, those are the good complementary players that the Sixers also have that they're going to step on the floor. They're going to get their role, their job done. Whatever their role is, they're going to do it to the best of their ability, and they're just going to give you their best. 
So now the Stephs and James Hardens and and Beads, they can just play. So I would love that matchup in the NBA Finals. I would be right there watching in person. Get your popcorn (laughs) ready, right? Get your popcorn ready, just like T.O. said. Get that popcorn ready. So let's talk about this uh, as we close. I got a couple of topics left to do. We talked all NBA, but, you know, you got to talk a little bit Coach K real fast. And the Coach K legacy, obviously, Duke Blue Devil, Hall of Fame coach. Uh, Again, not a fan, but it is what it is. But only because I was always a UNC guy through and through. I was a Dean Smith guy. I was a UNLV guy. I still am mad that Duke beat UNLV in the 90s. I'm still holding a grudge. Okay, I really am. But Coach K, legacy, obviously, I don't think we even have to talk about that, right? He's fantastic. But he coached a lot of remarkable players. And it doesn't even have to be superstars, just great people, uh, not just considerable athletes. And I'm going to put you on the spot here and say, number one, like, who would you say is his greatest player, greatest achievement from you? All them Duke Blue Devil teams, who's the one guy you, you would say is Coach K's legacy player? Well, uh, you, you've, you've got a lot of tough questions today. Um, it's funny because I saw a post somebody had created, and you probably saw this, of like the top five Duke Dukies and the top yep. five Tar Heels ever. Um, and they were they were like five, like it was a matchup, a five on five matchup. And people were literally saying who would win. And that then got me thinking of like, wow, there's been so many great players you know, of course, UNC, we're not talking about them, sorry. Um, but for Duke, there's been so many players, great players that have come through, but not all of them went off to have great NBA careers. No, you know, like even Zion, let's talk about Zion. He's someone that everybody had, he's busting out of his shoes. He's gonna be this next, the next LeBron, the next this, the next that. And he's been injured, he's been dealing, you know, putting on weight. We haven't actually seen him play a full season. So I'm actually gonna go with um Hall of Famer Grant Hill. Because I think that for a couple of reasons, he was one of his first, well, not, he was the first 10 years that he was there. So he was one of his earlier um, yep. players he coached. And there's something really special about when your career is growing versus, and also your players' careers are growing versus when he started coaching like the Kyrie's, the Zion's, those types of players. He was more established. We knew him as coach, you know, we knew Coach K. Yep. But in those years that he started winning titles and, and started being, um, Top one of the top coaches that you're talking about across college sports, not just college basketball, across college sports. I think that Grant Hill is a big part of that, and also the fact that Grant Hill, I feel like, embodies a lot that you would want from a player. You know, like, yes, he's he's not perfect, nobody is, but you don't really hear too many crazy things about him. He's got a beautiful wife who's extremely talented and can sing to Mia. He's got all these great like legacies that he's had in the NBA. His career in the NBA, of course, could have gone better if he didn't have injuries and things. Everybody's could have. But I just think he fully embodies like a proud that's a that's a proud former player there. So I would say him because from start to finish, I think he really did he's he's someone when you think of Duke, you think of Grant Hill. I, I'm 100 percent with you. That's exactly who <laughs> oh, I would say. Okay. Yeah, I I'm Big Grant Hill guy. Uh, I, you know, and like you said, it's a shame. You know, he had the ankle issues. He could have been even that much better. But, man, it, so that's the thing. I, I think it's fine. I have two boys, 115, 117, and we'll talk sports, and I'm like, you guys have no idea. 
go back and watch some. You don't know how good these players were. I mean, you know, even though we're talking about dude, like I'm still like that UNLV team in the '90s with with Larry Johnson, Stacey Augman, and, and Greg Anthony. Mm-hmm. I mean, that team was unbelievable. Going up against and getting beat by that Grant Hill, Bobby Hurley, Christian yeah. Leitner, Thomas Hill. Right though, I mean, Christian that, Leitner, another one. Right, right, I mean that, and you 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 hit the nail on the head because that was before. We, we knew all about the infamous Coach K. He was Coach K, and the Cameron Crazies were always there, but you seen him grow as a Hall of Fame coach. That was right in the beginning. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm with you with Grant Hill, 100%. Yeah, and I, I just think he's a player that you can't dislike him. You know, no. like, unfortunately, um, Kyrie and other players, you know, R.J. Barrett still, you know, got a long way to go. But even players like Plumlee, there were a lot of players that really got to the league and didn't really – reach that full expectation. So I think although he still, as you mentioned with the ankle injury, still did not reach his full potential, he no. still had obviously a Hall of Fame career. Um and is someone that you you can't take anything away from him. You know, no, very, very, very underrated analyst yeah. uh, on NBA TV as well. I I, I definitely like him. Yeah, exactly. He can talk a great game and can break it down too, which is really good. Really yeah, good. that's yeah, a great, great point because the fact he's still helping the game um, as an analyst, and he does a great job. Yeah, yeah, he really does. He really, really does. So let's cl- cl- close this out here because I, this is a really passionate topic, obviously for myself and obviously for you as well. And, it, you know, just in general, the, you know, the, the movement. We talked all fair about women in sports, and, and I, I said, and, and again, don't take this the wrong way, everybody listening. I don't feel, though, there should be a movement. It's a shame that there has to be. Uh, you know, and I say that because, you know, there's so many brilliant. I mean, we have Renee with us tonight, a brilliant analytical minds out there. And it's such a shame that, you know, th- we need a movement to highlight them. So um, but but again, it, it is what it is. It, it's going strong. And I'm glad that it keeps continuing to grow. But just for yourself, I mean, when, when you see women in sports, you, you're a part of the movement, you're involved. You know, what does it symbolize you to be where you're at right now today? Yeah, well, first, before I even begin, I have to thank you for bringing this topic up. And I apologize if for some reason you hear the ice cream truck, because apparently the ice cream truck likes to come around at eight o'clock at night um, in March. So I'm a little confused. But anyway, I'm I'm like hearing it get closer, like, am I in the twilight zone here? Um, It's dark out. Kids should not be outside going to spring. It's not springtime yet. Not springtime. But no, I think you hit it right on the head and it's something that out of context people would take the wrong way, but it's absolutely correct. We shouldn't need a movement. We shouldn't need a movement for equality. We shouldn't need a movement for diversity. We shouldn't need a movement for women to be accepted into sports. It should be the norm. And I think we're in such a a powerful era because of social media, because of the ability, even for us, although we don't live that far away, but we still are able to connect with each other and connect with so many others through shows through social media, through the digital world that we're able to reach more people. Imagine how silenced our voices would be if it weren't for our platforms, you know? And that's the craziest part when you think back about all the different um, movements that happened over the generations. And the fact, the fact that the way they were getting publicized was through newspapers. And you might have to wait a couple of weeks before you found out about that march that happened, or you might have to wait before you find out about a sit-in or anything else. So now it's in a, in a space where these are not only grabbing the attention, but they're reaching thousands of people across the world in a matter of seconds. And 
the next generation is taking full advantage of that. It's powerful, it's empowering and inspiring, and it's making real conversation happen because it can't be swept under the rug. So I'm thankful to see, even when I was, I mean, I was watching Peacock the other day and there was a commercial about women's coaches in football and I loved it. There's um, a new show coming out that's highlighting several women that are coaching football at the collegiate and professional level. I actually know a good amount of them and I'm like, wow, this is great to see. Like representation is something that should never be taken for granted. When you watch somebody on TV that looks like you, that resembles you in some way, it makes you realize what that you too can be in that spot. If every time you're turning on your television and all you see are older white men, no offense, no. how is that going to make you feel? You know, you have to see people that look like you that are going through similar struggles, that empathy, that relatability is so necessary to be able to think I too can be in that position because she's doing it. He's doing it. They're doing it. So I think that we're having more representation but we're also just having more people that are not afraid to step up for the right and stand up for the right thing. You know, I always say I if a job does not want me for speaking out on being a black woman and speaking out on equality and and what I think is right, I don't want to work there. And that's the difference. We no longer have to just take it. We don't have to fear the repercussions of what might happen if we say, you know, say something that goes against the norm because the consequences of what could be done are changing. You know, we don't have to worry about that backlash. And if somebody does, that's fine. We'll document it all and we will take it a court or something. You know, there's more power and just strength in numbers in that sense, because I know I'm connected with so many individuals around the world that I talk to pretty regularly that I may not have even met in person. But I know that if I have to ask them something or reach out to them about something or they want to talk to me about something, I can. So we are so much more connected. And that's the biggest difference is when you start to have real conversation like we're doing, you can now start to peel back those layers. But if we're all hiding in our separate parts of the world and in our individual respective corners, just passing judgment, making assumptions, you know, not really knowing what's going on, living in our own bubbles, there's no way we're ever going to have these real conversations. So I hope they continue, to be honest. Uh, listen, it perfectly said, I mean, you, you mentioned a few things, obviously a voice, right? A voice is something we all have that it should never be taken for granted. It should be never taken away from us. So that's one thing I, I, I tell everybody, whether I mentor or my, my kids that like, use your voice, don't, don't keep mm -hmm. it in, man. Like, like you just said, if somebody doesn't want me for me, who I am, what I look like, what I feel, then I'm going somewhere else. It just, yeah. you know, it is what it is. I mean, that's, that's what we should do. And, and, you know, you, you also mentioned everybody right now on social media it's such a huge platform that it doesn't a lot of people say and that's why i say my, my parents are older and, and i'll say oh, i'm getting on social media you know it's all you know all the and i'm like you don't understand it can be used as a tool if it's used the right exactly. way and i think more and more what you see like twitter spaces which are fantastic they're being mm -hmm. used more of a platform for support and, and and to speak out and i think that that's one of the biggest things that i feel great about my kids and and, and everybody growing up that you're able to use it the right way to, to, to hear your voice and your opinion, because like you said, newspapers, look at what we're doing right now. We, we were never been able to do this 10 years ago, you know, no. never not, you know, now I, you know, and I, it's funny. I'll see if you agree. We'll end on this. I'll see if you agree with this. And a lot of people are like, ah, oh, there's just so many people just grab the microphone. They just want to talk and <laughs> it's not a bad thing. 
Like no. it's really not. It, it, it's it's a great. I love to hear different people's opinions. I may not always agree, but it's always nice to see what they feel and what they think because always remember, you know, you don't always know number one what that person's going through, number two what they've been through, and number mm. three what they're thinking. You you said perfect word right. You said assumptions, and I think that's the biggest mistake a lot of people make. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And you know what? It's, it's great that we're having this uh, topic to close out because I was just having a conversation actually with my sister. She has two young kids. Um, she just had her second child who's a month old. And we were talking about the exact same thing about the difference in parenting now versus, you know, when my parents were raising us and the fact that now you see more parents that are taking time for themselves and making time for self-care. And we were saying how a big reason behind that is because how many times do you go on social media and you see a mom and it might be a funny reel or a funny video or just a meme or a post saying like, oh, you know, I had to hide the kids and have some private time in the bathroom with a glass of wine just to hide from them. You know, like telling these real stories yes. that you now understand as a parent, this is the example that we were talking about this. Everyone's going through this, you know, and as you were just saying, like, you now know I'm not the only one. So instead of making assumptions and feeling that what was me, I'm the only one that's feeling this way, you can easily go in on any social media platform and find others that are dealing with similar things. And that alone is so empowering to know you're human, what you're feeling is normal, and you're not the only one dealing with this. So it does allow more people to have access to those stories, which is a blessing and a curse, of course, if not done properly. <laughs> Um, cause there are definitely a lot of downsides for social media. I'm not the huge, the biggest fan and huge fan of it, but I think the upside is to be able to have that empathy, to be able to have, again, that representation. When you see the viral mom influencers or the entrepreneur or the growing sports personality, a lot of people agree. I agree with you say, oh, anybody now can have a show. Anybody can talk sports. No, not anybody can. It takes a lot of courage to do like we're doing to sit down and know that people <laughs> yes, are watching what they're watching how long they're watching, what they're saying, what they're thinking. They might be like, oh, this girl's crazy. I don't ever want to watch her. This guy has all these jerseys in the back. I don't see LeBron, so I'm not going to watch him. Uh, you have no idea what they are saying or thinking. And you're putting yourself out there and being vulnerable and not knowing what that response is going to be is tough. So it's not easy to get up in front of others and say your truth, you know, whatever that may be. Even having sports talk is your truth. So it does even give people that confidence to know that you can speak up and others may or may not disagree with you, but that's okay. At least you're you're telling and being honest about what you feel, what you think, your opinion, and sharing a little bit about who you are. Uh, uh, listen, that's perfectly stated. I love it. Uh, <laughs> even uh, minus the LeBron part, but we'll get into that. Well, that's, that's a, a topic example. for another time. Your jerseys, like who's back there? Hey, listen, that, that, they're, 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 for me. For me, they're my three favorite. They're my three top guards right there. So ah. LeBron, LeBron number four. I'm sorry, you got to go number four. When it comes <laughs> to me, but uh, but now nah, listen uh, again. You can follow Renee right at the bottom, right there at Renee P W A S H. There's her links right there, Renee. I really, really appreciate you. Number one, opening up, being so free and, and soft spoken. Obviously, giving us your great analytics and hooking up with me once again. It's been a couple years, and I can't wait till we, we can do it again. Yeah, I'm excited to see how our predictions pan out, too, because we did this yeah. last time. We had predictions. I don't think we were correct. I don't remember, but I feel like this time we're going to be right. So Sixers, like Warriors, that. book it in the in the finals. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, Sixers, Warriors, you got it. So right now for Tony, for Renee, this is the final judgment, and we will catch you next time.